Okay, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the CMS webinar on the new world of work in Croatia. Your host for today will be Ms. Maria Zernoprosic, a partner in charge for data protection matters, and myself, Mia Kalajic, a senior associate in charge for the employment part. As we are all more or less painfully aware, the way of work is rapidly changing. Even though the digitalization and technology development have been influencing the world of work for the last couple of decades, the COVID-19 pandemic has turned everything upside down. All of a sudden, hundreds of thousands of employees need to work from home and are together with their employers, quote, almost completely unprepared. Also, staff mobility has become extremely difficult and expensive. Some industries, such as hospitality or travel industry, are burdened with unpredictable government measures and are basically struggling to keep their activities going and people employed. Health and safety matters have taken on a completely new dimension. Employers are uncertain of their obligations and responsibilities, especially in pandemic circumstances. So this is where we are now. However, they say that each crisis has a good side as well. So it gives us the opportunity to respond to challenges in an innovative and bold manner. And jurisdictions who manage to do it quickly and strategically will for sure benefit from, from the mess we are basically all currently in. So today, we will give you a short overview of the main challenges and ideas how will Croatia tackle with the new reality in the world of work. Of course, data protection matters are extremely important in the whole process and will have a major role in our current and, of course, future, future foregoing. So today, we will focus on the following topics. Work from home versus work from office, staff mobility, new health and safety measures, and impact of technology and digitalization on roles and work. Each topic will be commented first from the employment and then also from the data protection perspective. You will, of course, have the opportunity to ask any questions you might have uh, throughout the presentation. Just type them out and we will answer them during the Q&A session at the end of the presentation. Let's begin. The first topic we will talk about is the work from home versus work, work from office. Considering the ongoing pandemic, a lot of employees were forced to move to home offices basically overnight. And as it unfortunately is um, often the case in Croatia, the Croatian law just simply doesn't keep track with such quick, quick development. And a lot of answers regarding possibilities, rights and obligations of both employers and employees remain unclear. There are a lot of open issues, but the main points for both parties seems to be the ones we listed here at the slide. So the first one, uh, in my opinion, would be whether the employers are authorized to impose remote work. This would mean work from home as well. Um, so whether employers can order the employees not to come to the office and perform work from their homes. In short, the answer is no. Even though there are some opinions that this could be possible, the law is clear on the point that employees need to consent to any type of remote work, including uh, work from home. So a new employment contract or the annex to the existing one needs to be entered into between the employer and the employee. And of course, such annex needs to cover basic points which are explicitly prescribed by the law. This would be um, use of the equipment, reimbursement of costs, working hours, way of employees' trainings, and and so on. When it comes to schedule and organization of work and working hours, 
as well as the monitoring of employees' performance, there are a lot of uncertainties. Of course, the um, data protection, protection aspect is extremely important here, and Maria will talk more about it in a minute. But from the employment perspective, um, it is important to know that all the usual legal provisions on working hours, schedule, overtime work, redistribution of working hours, night work, daily breaks, are also to be applied if the employee works from home. It is unclear whether it's possible to combine an independence in defining the working hours, which is, as you probably know, very often agreed, agreed with, for example, managing staff. So whether it is possible to compa- combine this independency with the work from home. If we interpret the legal provisions strictly, this is not possible, even though it is pretty common in the practice. And to be honest, we haven't seen the inspections making problems in this regard, at least yet. When it comes to compensation of employees' costs for work from home, um, the employer, as you probably already know, is obliged to reimburse the costs caused by the work from home. Um, This will most likely refer to, for example, IT equipment, but also to utilities such as internet, electricity, heating, and so on, um, which are, of course, increased if the employee works from home. The amounts are legally not prescribed, and it is basically up to the agreement between the employer and the employee how high this amount will be. Um, And that's why employers often struggle how to define such costs. But a practical solution would be to agree on one all-inclusive amount per day of working from home. This, of course, if the employee works from home only occasionally and not permanently. Um, As for the safety at work and the employer's responsibility in this regard, we will come back to it shortly. What can be expected in this field in the near future? The negotiations between social partners on the new legal framework are currently ongoing. Uh, According to the media, um, their negotiations are currently stopped due to the pandemic, which is quite funny as we need better solutions also because of the pandemic. But we hope that something will come up uh, soon enough. And when it does come, um, it is expected that more flexible regulation, this would mean more contractual freedom for employers and employees um, regarding work from home, will be introduced, as well as the distinction between permanent and occasional work from home, whereby the employers will probably be able to impose occasional work from home unilaterally. The employers' associations are also very strongly in favor of excluding their responsibility for employees' health and safety during work from home, but I assume such exclusion will not be easily introduced. But again, more on this topic of health and safety in a bit. Better definition of cost reimbursement will definitely be introduced. Uh, In some countries, employers are, for example, obliged to reimburse actual costs, meaning that they need to calculate the exact portion of For example, utilities referring to work from home. Uh, Personally, I believe this is absurd. And the solution with, for example, a lump sum payment uh, would be more practical. And if I understood correctly from the media, this is something the government um, is actually considering to introduce. Currently, there are no tax exemptions related to work from home meaning that no deductions from tax base or similar benefits exist for reimbursement of employees' costs, as in some other countries, for example, in Slovenia. There are, however, some announcements that this will be changed in the new legal framework and that that employers will be able to use certain tax benefits for reimbursement of, of such costs. I will now leave to Maria to explain main data protection concerns regarding work from home. Thank you, Mia. Hi, everyone. Well, as Mia noted, uh, data protection perspective is indeed something very important when we talk about work from home. It is important even when we talk about work in the office, of course. But 
why do we uh, stress out the importance uh, of data protection uh, compliance uh, when speaking about work from home? Well, firstly, we will address the topic of monitoring in home office. Nothing new. There is the interest of employers to monitor what their employees do even when they work uh, in the office. However, we have noticed that this interest has increased severely when remote work became popular during 2020. Employers indeed have legitimate interest to um, monitor the actions of their employees to a certain extent because of their need to ensure security of their systems, because they need to ensure compliance with their internal rules about limited usage of office equipment, etc. However, employers very often forget that just because there is some legitimate interest to do something doesn't mean that there are no limits to it, and it doesn't mean that they can simply do whatever they want. There are employees' rights in the first place that need to be respected, and there is a balance that needs to be achieved between employers' interests and employees' rights. When we speak about employees' rights, we are not talking about personal data only, but about privacy, the right to privacy of each individual. Let me give you a few examples. When we speak about monitoring, we are not talking about video surveillance at home, in home, of course, but about surveillance of e-communication, emails, internet usage, etc., to avoid any misunderstanding. Monitoring of email communication, of content of emails, is not allowed. Monitoring of websites that employees visit is not allowed. However, certain monitoring is accept- acceptable. Speaking of emails again, each company uh, probably has some spam filtering system, uh, which definitely processes certain uh, personal data. Uh, in cases you know, of false negatives of, or false positives, certain IT department or an individual will interfere and even check you know, the content of the email. Something like this is, of course, justified in a given case. However, this does not mean that you as an employer have the right to monitor email correspondence all the time. So this is the balance we are talking about. What we often hear from employers is that they should have the right to monitor the usage of internet or usage of mobile phones because they have internal policies in place which define the limits uh, of this usage. As I said, The right to monitor is not absolute. So you, of course, as an an employer, have the right to uh, check that your internal rules are respected. But when doing so, you have to comply with data protection principles. I will give you an example of usage of internet. If you really want to ensure that for security reasons, your employees don't visit uh, certain websites, you could simply block access to such websites. If you want to uh, ensure that the company level level private usages are not exceeded, you can do that on aggregate level. So you can check how the devices are used on aggregate level without checking the use by each specific individual. Also, because every uh, IT security system has uh, records of cold logs of what was going on, so logs show... um, um, that you know, certain individual visited certain web page, etc. 
such logs are so stored for a certain period of time, and the purpose of these uh, logs is to ensure security of IT systems. Although this is normal for the proper functioning of the uh, IT system, this does not mean that the employers can access such data and use such data, for example, to you know evaluate their employees and things like that. So whenever monitoring e-communication of your employees, usage of internet, usage of their mobile phones, please ensure that there is a proper balance between the interest you have as an employer and their rights and ensure that basic principles of data protection, such as proportionality, data minimization, necessity, are respected. Before introducing any monitoring, make sure that proper assessments are made. This will be at least the legitimate interest assessment. So when relying on legitimate interest, please ensure that you make a proper assessment to ensure that every action you're taking is really compliant with uh, data protection laws. In certain cases, you will even need more. You will need data protection impact assessment. Apart from that, you will need to consult with relevant subjects. Depending on your organization, you might need to consult with work councils, with your data protection officer, or if you don't have one, but you have data protection representative of the employees, then with such individual. In any case, it is important that you inform your employees about what you are doing. We are talking about transparency principle here, which is one of the main principles under the GDPR. Now, moving to the next slide, we will talk about another important aspect of work from home, and this is cybersecurity. Cybersecurity risks are much higher when we speak about remote work. Why? Employees use personal devices. They sometimes use unsecure uh, Wi-Fi networks. They use collaboration tools, which are not always reliable. And very often, they don't have sufficient education about cybersecurity. What does this mean for business? Well, cyber attacks can lead not just to loss of reputation and loss of your resources, but to data breaches. And when this happens, you expose yourselves to very high fines under the GDPR. We have an example of British Airways, uh, which was fined uh, by 23 million euros because of data breaches that occurred because of lack of proper security measures. What happened? Well, the authorities uh, established that because of lack of proper security protocols, for two months, British Airways did not detect data breaches. And data breach consisted of exposure of you know, credit card information, logging credentials of their uh, employees, so various personal data, just because they didn't have proper security protocols in place. This is just one example of the fines, but if you check other examples, you will see that more than 80 fines under the GDPR relate to insufficient security measures which have been imposed. GDPR Enforcement Tracker is one very useful CMS tool which shows different fines imposed in uh, various member states and which enables you to search for the fines based on the reason why the fine was imposed. So if you check this item, adequate security measures, you will see how many fines have been imposed because of that. To avoid liability under GDPR, you should definitely audit your system and implement adequate security measures. 
In addition to that, you should keep records of what has been implemented. This is because of the accountability principle. It is up to you to evidence that you have done what's needed to ensure compliance with the GDPR. And finally, you need to educate your employees. As we mentioned in the beginning, one of the main risks is the fact that employees simply don't have sufficient education in cybersecurity. And if you as an employer have not taught them what to do, then of course that the risk of breach is higher. Okay, moving on to staff mobility. Of course, staff mobility has become extremely difficult with the COVID-19 pandemic. Even today, when borders are not completely closed and it is basically possible to cross borders, usually with a negative COVID-19 test, um, mobility is still very limited. Such limitations refer to the fact that many industries in many countries are still in partial or complete lockdown. We have very high costs of tests. There is limited availability of transportation. For example, we all know that airline companies have significantly decreased uh, their flights. Of course, the fact that the EU and let alone, of course, the world doesn't have a unified approach to conditions and regulations regarding mobility uh, doesn't make things any easier. All these circumstances, together with monetary savings many employers are enforcing, led to significant decrease in staff mobility in 2020. And to be frank, we can only assume this will continue in 2021 as well. Of course, there is not much we can do about any of this right now. On the contrary, we can only prepare for what we hope will be some kind of return to the old normal, uh, meaning normal traveling and migration of employees. Croatia currently acts like the old normal will come soon and has recently adopted three new laws. The first one is Posting of Workers Act, which introduced the mandatory elements of remuneration for posted workers instead of previously guaranteed minimum rates. So this means that um, all posted employees who came to Croatia will be eligible for all mandatory elements of salary uh, and not just to the minimum wage uh, applicable in Croatia. This is a big, big step forward. The act also regulated secondment via foreign employment agencies and their users. Um, so this means, for for example, the German employment agency could send its employee to a German user who could then post the employee to Croatia to its customer. This is, again, something completely new and wasn't possible until now. The Act also introduced long-term posting, which means that if you post the employee to Croatia for longer than 12 or, in some cases, 18 months, Croatian employment law will become fully applicable to that employee. The Act also regulated the applicability of national collective bargaining agreements and so on. So, in short, once technical obstacles I just mentioned um, are removed, a legal framework for posting should be much, much easier and more transparent than the previous one. And it should be easier for employers to post their employees to another EU country. Of course, uh, rules regarding non-EU citizens are, or non-EU employers uh, are still somewhat complicated. We also introduced the new Foreigners Act, um, which introduced new solutions for the regulation of work and stay of third country nationals in Croatia. One of the most interesting novelties is that we introduced digital nomads, meaning third country nationals performing work remotely for a foreign company are now eligible to register the temporary stay in Croatia for up to one year. And also certain tax benefits have been introduced in this regard. Also, quotas for foreign workers have been abandoned. Uh, and labor market tests introduced, which should take into account relevant economic factors and local unemployment records. So uh, obtaining work and residence uh, permits should be much easier. 
Um, also, conditions for approving the permanent stay in Croatia were alleviated for some categories. So mand mandatory length of stay in Croatia has been decreased and Croatian language tests and proof of sufficient funds are no longer necessary. When it comes to the act on the EEA member state nationals and their family members, which was recently amended, the most important change is the post-Brexit or more accurately post-transition period regulation of work and stay of UK nationals. Basically, UK nationals who have read or resided in Croatia prior to 31st December 2020 will retain their acquired rights of residence, whether temporary or permanent. However, they still need to apply for new residence permits until 30th June 2021, confirming their status based on the withdrawal agreement. And just to let you know, we already tried to obtain in the practice a couple of uh, new residence permits, and the process is still very, very new for Croatian authorities. So my advice would be to wait for a couple of more months, maybe until March or April, because you have the, the time until 30th. June, uh, and then to apply for a new residence permit, because I really hope that the, that the process will be, will be uh, a little less chaotic by then. Um, when it comes to family members of UK nationals, they can also regulate their residence status in Croatia and apply for the new residence permit until that very deadline, so the end of June, um, irrespective of their nationality and irrespective of the fact whether they resided in Croatia prior to 31st December last year. And one interesting uh, matter for the end, so UK citizens who haven't resided in Croatia prior to that date, so the year end 2020, are equal to citizens of non-EEA countries. So it will basically be the same to obtain a residence and work permit for a UK citizen and any other non-EEA citizen. Of course, death mobility has its data protection relevance as well. Maria? Exactly. When speaking about death mobility, we are talking at least about two parties involved. So regardless of whether you are the one who is posting employees or the employees are posted to you, you should consider your relationships with employment agencies, other companies uh, involved in the whole process. Why? You're probably familiar with terms such as controller, processor, joint controllers. I know that many of you don't like controller processor assessments because they're not always easy to uh, implement. However, this is something that must be done. Whenever you engage in staff mobility, consider uh, your relationship with the parties involved and ensure that contractual arrangements where needed, of course, are put in place. This is the first aspect. The second one concerns transfer of employees' data to the countries outside the EU and European economic area. If this happens, you need to ensure, of course, that such transfers are compliant with the GDPR. The first thing you need to check, whether this country, the third country, we can call it that way, as the GDPR says, is included in the list of countries which, uh, for which the European Commission said that provides uh, adequate safeguards and that such country, from the data protection perspective, can be you know, considered, let's say, equal to the EU standards. In such case, you're fine. However, if such third country is not listed on that list, you need to ensure appropriate safeguards in accordance with the GDPR. And we mentioned one example here, standard contractual clauses. This is a standard agreement to be entered between the parties involved, which regulates appropriate safeguards for the transfer of personal data from an EU country to the third country. This is just, as I said, one of examples, but one that is most used in practice. 
please consider that in case your staff mobility includes transfers of employees data outside the EU and the European economic area. That's it from the data protection topic. Mia? Yeah, moving to uh, health and safety measures. When it comes to health and safety, unfortunately, there is not much to say. This is an extremely important subject, of course, for the current and future world of work. Um, But Croatian laws are still very, very strict and old-fashioned. So, in short, the employer is liable for health and safety regardless of where the employee works. So, it is, of course, illogical for the employer to be liable for something he cannot influence, meaning conditions in the employee's home. But the law doesn't foresee any exception from the employer's um, obligation to comply with all provisions and obligations regarding health and safety. For example, conduct the risk assessment of the place of work. So in this case, it would be the employee's home. Since recently, there are some exceptions to these obligations. So the employers are not obliged to conduct risk assessment of the employee's home, uh, provided that the employee works from home only occasionally and usually in the employer's premises. Um, if he performs activities which are of administrative office or similar nature, and if previous assessment has been conducted in the office and has shown low risks. This helps a bit. However, this exception doesn't change the fact that the employer still remains liable for health and safety, even though the risk assessment hasn't been conducted. Ever since the remote work subject has become more popular, there is an intention to change these, I dare to say, ridiculous and inflexible rules. And I really do hope that this will happen uh, in the near future. However, until that happens, employers should bear in mind that they are fully responsible for health and safety of their remote employees as well. Another important and common question of employers is whether they can be held liable or bear any negative consequences in case the employee gets infected with, for example, COVID-19 at work. There is still no unanimous and direct answer to this question. The legal framework in Croatia is still struggling with recent challenges. However, on a basic level, it can be concluded that as long as employers duly implement all measures and recommendations, so, for example, they reassess the risk of infection to which employees may be exposed, they inform and educate employees on applicable measures, they provide protective equipment, meaning masks, gloves, disinfectants, uh, and so on, at the workplace, they prevent anyone with symptoms from coming to the office, they disinfect regularly and clean the workplace. They identify and isolate infected employees and so on. So as long as they take measures, so reasonable measures to prevent further spread of infection, the, the employer shouldn't bear any material misdemeanor or, of course, criminal liability. When it comes to what can be expected in the future in this regard, as it seems now, of course, unfortunately, COVID-19 and other contagious diseases will not go away soon. Um, and this means that employers can expect more risk assessments, more employee educations, more protection equipment, more disinfection of workplace, and so on. And it would, uh, in any case, be advisable from the practical point of view to enact internal bylaws or some other internal documents formalizing the procedures and employees' responsibility. So the employers can show that they undertook everything reasonable to keep the employees from getting infected and also giving certain degree of responsibility to employees as well. Um, Of course, major question here is what employers can and cannot do when it comes to intrusion of employees' privacy and varies the balance between uh, protection of individuals' data and protection of other employees' health. Right, Maria? Exactly. Speaking about data protection perspective, well, I think the 2020 and COVID-19 helped us learn a lot about how employers 
a need to implement health and safety measures in compliance with data protection. We stress out here that proportionality, necessity, and data minimization always matter. Why? We always have to start and end with main principles uh, of GDPR. I will give you an example. With uh, COVID-19, uh, many uh, health and safety measures were introduced. Many companies decided to measure the temperatures of their uh, employees and customers. They recorded the results. Some of them even decided to monitor the health status of their employees during a certain period uh, of time. Luckily, national data uh, authorities reacted and drew their attention to these basic principles we are talking about. What's the problem there? It's not a measure itself, measuring the temperature, but what you do with personal data processed in that way. Do we really limit ourselves to what is necessary to achieve certain purpose, or we go beyond that? And this is what happens very often in practice. After measuring temperature of our employees and customers, do we really need to record that data? Do we really need to monitor the health status of our employees to ensure that others remain unaffected? No. And this is what the national data authorities uh, clarified. There is no need in most cases to record what has been measured. There is no need to monitor the health status of your employees. The same uh, can be achieved by a very, very basic measure of measuring temperature at the entrance without recording this information. And then, of course, denying the access or allowing the access based on the measurement itself. Speaking about health and safety measures in general, so it's not just, we're not talking here about measuring temperatures. This was just one of the examples. It is very important that we identify appropriate legal basis. We emphasize this because we realized during 2020 that many employers try to justify everything based on their statutory obligation to ensure that life and health of their employees is protected. For sure, the employers have the obligation under the law to ensure that, but this obligation, the statutory obligation, doesn't justify everything. Very often, the employers will have to rely on legitimate interest. In such case, it is very important to make legitimate interest assessment. This is something I already explained in the beginning when talking about monitoring of employees. It is not sufficient to state, oh, we have a very good business reason to do this. And this is to protect the health and safety of our employees and of our customers, to protect our business reputation, etc. It is not sufficient to identify legitimate interest. You need to make the proportionality test. You need to make the whole assessment to ensure that your processing is compliant with the GDPR. In doing that, always opt for less intrusive measures. Minimize the data you're processing. Use the measures which are the least intrusive, speaking about personal data, but also about privacy of your employees and your customers. Inform them. We are focused on employees here. So inform your employees about what you are doing with their personal data. And of course, be aware of any updates that need to be made and adjustments. What was justified before doesn't have to be justified uh, now. Why we are uh, emphasizing this? Well, 
Many companies relied on measures imposed by their governments uh, during 2020. And in making their legitimate interest assessments, uh, they were led, of course, by the rules imposed by the governments, their measures and recommendations. However, what they uh, often forgot is to keep track of the changes. The government changed the rules, they changed the measures implemented to ensure the health and safety at national level. So something that was justified in the beginning doesn't have to stay justified later during the year. All of this doesn't apply to the situation caused by COVID-19 only. This is something we need to bear in mind whenever we process personal data of our employees uh, when implementing any health and uh, safety measures. Of course, that these uh, experiences from 2020 uh, are useful and can be applied accordingly in any future case. Mia? Um, so when thinking about how will we work in the future, whether near or distant future, um, it is impossible to disregard the impact of technology. Enormous changes have happened in the last year in Croatia. Uh, companies and even public entities were forced to quickly transform to home working arrangements. State authorities have digitalized their databases and their way of working in general. Meetings were almost instantly transferred to virtual world. world so really a lot of changes. In the future, we can expect for technology to take lead in even bigger part of our businesses. So what will smart employers do in order to be better prepared? Smart employers will assess the current status of their business and predict their future needs. They will also inform the employees about the results of that assessment and start educating them for their new roles if needed. Smart employers will also invest in high-quality IT equipment, its maintenance, um, including, of course, protection of data. They will invest time and money in educating the employees about advantages and potential threats of working online. Also, as already mentioned before, it is recommendable to introduce internal policies and rules regarding online meetings and online behavior in general, as well as to give clear instructions to employees how will their future work position look like. So, of course, you don't have to have and you can't have all the answers right now, but it is in any case advisable to start thinking how will your business look like in the future and how can you be better prepared. Um, of course, well, this also means a lot of work for employment lawyers and I assume also for data protection lawyers due to work being digitalized, right, Maria? Yeah, it seems that you can never avoid data protection. Before introducing any technology at the workplace, you should make sure that uh, data protection impact assessment is made or any other necessary assessment. Why we are talking about uh, data protection impact assessment here? Based on national list uh, published by a Croatian personal data agency, introduction of new technologies for the purpose of processing of personal data is one of the reasons when the DPIA is performed. Apart from that, apart from you know making necessary assessments, you will need to consult with relevant subjects. As we mentioned before, depending on your organization, this can be Works Council, a DPO, or Data Protection representative of the employees. And of course, you will have to inform your employees. Uh, what I would like to uh, stress out here is that these, let's say, key actions you need to uh, bear in mind is not everything you need to do. Of course, that you need to comply with 
all GDPR uh, rules uh, which apply. But however, these are the key takeaways before introducing any new technology at the workplace. We also provided one example. For example, if you decide to use algorithms to uh, adopt certain employment-related decisions, for example, to evaluate your employees or to filter job applications, um, you can do so, of course. Introduction of such algorithms and technologies is not prohibited. What's important is that you ensure that use of such uh, technologies is compliant with the GDPR. First of all, you have to ensure that there are no discriminatory uh, conditions and criteria. You have to be uh, aware of hidden processing of uh, sensitive data categories to explain what we mean here. Algorithm can process personal name of an individual and based on the name, it can uh, draw conclusion about their religion, about their ethnicity and uh, categories like that. Such categories of data are sensitive data categories in regard to which you have to comply with additional, more strict uh, safeguards prescribed by the GDPR. It is advisable that you ensure there is always a human interference when you use uh, such new technologies, not to leave everything you know, to automated uh, processing. And of course, to comply with all general requirements imposed by the GDPR. To sum up, the idea of this presentation, especially from the data protection perspective, was to draw your attention to some key uh, actions you need to take to some main principles you need to uh, be focused on when uh, processing personal data of your employees and when introducing some new measures or some new technologies uh, in your business uh, operations. Of course, that you will need to comply with all specific rules uh, arising under the GDPR and other relevant data protection uh, and privacy uh, laws. Employment laws and uh, data uh, protection laws go very well together, as you have seen during this presentation. Whenever you have certain topic uh, covering employment-related aspects, pay attention to uh, data protection perspective uh, of this topic. Although this might seem burdensome for each company, uh, no one likes compliance, be aware of positive aspects uh, of compliance. Be aware of a good reputation you build uh, towards your uh, employees, but also towards the market and towards the public. Uh, of course, avoiding the fines and minimizing uh, the risks we uh, talked about during this presentation is a, a good aspect to be taken into consideration as well. That's it from uh, our side. Uh, I think we are in time to address any uh, questions you might have in regard to these topics. Yeah, so maybe we can start with uh, the employment questions we got. So the first one is the following. Rules mentioned about working work from home, especially regard, regarding reimbursement, are valid in case of occasional work from home only, or also in case of permanent work from home. In our case, we have only one employee who has been working from home for many years, as we never had a proper office, just registered address. We didn't agree on reimbursement clause, so do we need one absolutely, or is it fine a situation was like this forever? 
Unfortunately, even though the employee works from home permanently, uh, the reimbursement clause is necessary in the contract because, um, as I mentioned during the presentation, the current um, Croatian law doesn't foresee any difference between permanent and occasional work from home. So um, the employment contract of such employees needs to contain the clause regarding reimbursement of costs. Again, um, there is no it's not prescribed how how high those costs need to be. So um, you can state you can always um, enter into an annex to the existing employment contract, and you can state uh, one lump sum payments, uh, saying that, for example, for the use of um, employees' uh, own equipment, tools, and other expenses he will uh, have while uh, working from home, the employer will pay a monthly fee of I don't know, 50 euros. I'm just saying by heart because there is no prescribed amount. So the answer to your question is yes, the reimbursement clause is needed also in case uh, the employee works from home occasionally. Another question from the same person is, does the employment contract need to be signed in Croatian or English would be okay as it is the professional language used by the employee? Um, There is no uh, legal requirement for the employment contract to be in Croatian. So it is fully valid if it's in English and both parties understand English, of course. But from the practical point of view, we we usually advise the clients to um, have bilingual employment contract because in case the employment contract needs to be presented to um, any authority in Croatia, the court, uh, social security uh, institution or any other tax authority, whatever institution in Croatia, then if you have the contract only in English, you would have additional costs of translation of of the contract into Croatian by a certified expert. So for that reason, so for saving of potential costs, we usually advise for the contracts to be in Croatian or bilingual, um, where Croatian uh, language version would be stated as a relevant one. But of course, there is no influence to the validity of the contract. So um, your contract drafted in English only is also valid in Croatia. Yeah, maybe Mia, I can address one question uh, related mm-hmm. to data protection. So the question says, if our employee steals the data uh, and does the data breach, why should the employer be uh, liable? Well, to, to explain, we were talking about cybersecurity in the first place. So when the attack comes from outside of the company, not when the uh, employee does the breach. But even if the employee, for example, steals the data, well, of course, that in the first place, it is the employee that will be uh, held liable because it is this specific individual that intentionally uh, did something. Whether or not the company as the employer will uh, also be liable depends on the circumstances of the case, depends on whether uh, this breach uh, can be attributable also uh, to the uh, employer. And this is why the accountability principle uh, is important. It is important for the employer to be able to evidence that the employer did whatever needed to be uh, done to ensure you know, uh, that such situations uh, are avoided. If you have proper policies, procedures in place, proper security measures, then uh, of course that doesn't mean that you will also be liable because you cannot have full control over what your employees are doing. So to sum it up, it is uh, firstly the liability of the employee in such case. Whether or not the employer will be liable will depend on the circumstances uh, of the case. Uh, and there is also one question regarding 
monitoring of uh, employees' emails, whether access to emails and content of emails can be justified in uh, uh, certain cases, such as, you know, when there is a suspicion of uh, some wrongdoing. This is a specific situation which needs to be assessed separately. We were talking about continuous monitoring of employees. And in that context, we said that, no, you're not allowed to to monitor the email correspondence of your employees. Of course, that in certain specific situations, it might be necessary that you also access um, email correspondence of your uh, employees before doing that. So it, it may be justified, but before doing that, Make sure that you uh, have made proper assessments to ensure that if uh, you're taking any actions, they are taken in compliance with the GDPR. So generally, yes, in certain cases, this is possible. But the answer is not just, you know, generally yes or no, but you have to make uh, an assessment for each specific situation to be able to say, yes, I can do that or no, I cannot do that. I don't want to read the whole question because it's quite long, but I understand that what they want to ask is whether we are uh, talking about processing of personal data at all when we are talking about uh, measurement of temperature. And it's a good question, and I will explain. So, uh, indeed, when uh, we introduce measures such as measuring temperatures of employees or customers, uh, this doesn't have to fall under the scope of the GDPR, but it may. If you come, for example, to some store uh, as a customer and uh, they measure your temperature, but they don't record anything, they just, you know, either deny your access or allow your access, this will probably not fall under the scope of application of GDPR. However, when we are talking about um, our employees, the situation is a, is a bit different. Because whether something constitutes personal data, whether it's processing activity, and whether it falls under the scope of the GDPR, uh, very often depends on the context. So in case of your employees, you know, this individual can be uh, identified based on a a, a different uh, aspect. And especially if, you know, based on measuring of his or her temperature, uh, this specific individual is asked to go home because this information then will be processed in the system. So to sum it up, um, uh, in certain situations, this indeed doesn't fall under the scope of application of the GDPR. And this is something that national authorities uh, have confirmed in uh, many cases. Uh, however, be aware that in most cases, and especially when we are talking about uh, uh, your own employees, this will be a processing of personal data and will fall under the scope of application of the GDPR. Thank you for joining us today. In case you have any additional questions, please feel free to email us. And thank you again.